census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here broadcasting live in Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, brought to you by the Dorkening Network and sponsored by Deadly Grounds Coffee and Silk City Hot Sauce. I am here, as always, not by myself, but with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania. The I know I skipped some wine things like the Queen Region of Rosé and the Princess of Prosecco. Prosecco. Uh, she is the Michael Phelps of wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. She's also very cold and wearing a blanket. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. I was just going to say, she is fucking freezing. I'm way too fabulous to be this cold, by the way. I don't think that really plays into it well it it absolutely does it makes sense it makes sense i deserve to be warm that's fair you like to be toasty i deserve to be someplace warm whether it be in a warm climate or just a, a warmer room that i'm sitting in right now you have a blanket i do have a blanket yeah so stop complaining and you have a hot mug of iced tea yeah. it was hot tea like it 20 was. minutes ago so we are here today. Mm, room temperature tea. Well, that's what the T stands for. Room temperature. We are here today uh, in our third consecutive uh, episode talking about the characters from the Karate Kid franchise uh, and how they've sort of grown and progressed and how their story has expanded from the original uh, three to four films to uh, the four seasons of Cobra Kai. And that kind of got us thinking, this is a really good show, and we need to expand on some more uh, movies and get some more backstories for some of our other favorite films. But before we get to that, we have our not-quite-titled character segment about what's what's coming up and what we've been seeing in the news uh, for... Uh, I don't know. We, we have to come up with a title for this. We need something way wittier than this. You know, the Character Chronicles just doesn't cut it. Characters in the news is just stupid. I swear to God, we're going to come up with something great. But um, big news coming out the past week or so. Mm-hmm. There is a Godzilla series in the works for Apple TV. Which I find it odd, and I'm not the only one who's, who has uh, voiced this. I find it odd that... Apple TV would get it and not HBO Max, considering uh, Legendary and and Warner Brothers have been working so closely. Well, who's to say that's the uh, who's to say those are the ones putting it on? Well, Legendary and Warner Brothers have been putting out all the movies. So unless 
I mean, I haven't seen many details, but this is one of those things where I kind of don't want to know too much about it because I, I, I'm kind of hoping that I'll get to see the show at some point. Uh, although, from what I understand, that's not going to be happening for a while. Um, you know, we'll 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 see what happens. Maybe it's cross-platform streaming. You never know. Um, but I'm excited for that. Um, that's you know, again, in the same vein of sort of what we were talking about, you know, we get to see more of uh, Monarch and more, uh, hopefully some more of the Titans, um, you know, like Behemoth or uh, Scylla or... <coughs> well, he hasn't been introduced yet, so Gemma. we have to wait. Um, or or um, uh, Methuselah, that's another one. There's some really cool Titans that we haven't seen. Maybe it kind of ties into the next uh, Godzilla or MonsterVerse film. You know, maybe we'll find out what happened to those Mothra eggs that were mentioned at the end of King of the Monsters. Mothra? Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? You have to save Mothra. Uh, but yeah, that's how I was kind of hoping Godzilla versus Kong would, would play out. Um... But what else we have? We we found something today. Yeah, we, we found something interesting today. So And there's um, two of them. The, yes. Yes. So the character Pinocchio, remember that guy, little wooden boy, his nose grew. He's got no uh, strings to hold him down, to make him fret, to make him frown. Not only is the Disney film getting a reboot, a live action reboot, but Guillermo del Toro is also directing a Pinocchio film due to come out this year. Now, the uh, the Disney version will be the latest in the long line of quote-unquote live-action films that rely heavily on CGI and are basically the same story, but they might add a couple of characters here and there and change things slightly. Um, I'm looking at the two casts. So we're going to get that in a minute. But the... The Guillermo del Toro version looks way better because it's that creepy, um, almost Tim Burton-esque type of uh, stop-motion animation. Or at least that's what it looks like. It's probably CGI, but it looks like the stop-motion animation you'd get from a... Uh, from a Tim Burton film. And it looks, uh, some of the, the, the creatures that we've seen, uh, some of the characters are very... Jiminy Cricket looks terrifying. I mean, exactly. It's very on par with what you would expect from a Guillermo del Toro picture. So um, that cast is... Well, let's just go into that, the cast. All right, so Pull the cast for, for the... And the, you, can, you can come up with your own what you think is a better cast, but the... The biggest thing for me, in the Disney version, Tom Hanks is playing Geppetto. I can totally see that. Which Tom I Hanks. Love. Yeah, I love absolutely. Tom Hanks. He was, he was. He's America's dad. He was Mister Rogers. You know, like he could. That's hey, him. neighbor. And in the Del Toro version, to give you a bit of an idea of the difference in styles, uh, we have Mister David Bradley. Do you know that name? Does that sound familiar? Well, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you know him as Argus Filch. If you watch Game of Thrones, you know him as Walder fucking Frey. Walder Frey is Geppetto, the kindly old man who wants to have a boy of his own. 
He's just, he's one of those people who uh, his natural appearance really lends himself to um, him playing villainous characters. Yes. Like, he doesn't have to do much. But he's also comedic, as we saw in Hot Fuzz. Yes. He's very fucking funny. Now, another interesting back and forth between, uh, between similarly cast characters, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, starring with Tom Hanks in the Disney version, as Jiminy Cricket. In the other version, we have Ewan McGregor as just credited as Cricket. Not Jiminy Cricket, but Cricket. Now, there are several people in uh, in the Disney version on IMDb that are already given their uh, their characters. Luke Evans, who you'll know from... Beauty and the Beast as Gaston, which I think that's kind of weird that they're having him play two different characters in live-action Disney movies, especially where these are aimed towards kids. Well, but I mean, here's the thing. If it's a musical, he sings. I know, but it's just weird having him... He plays the coachman. Lorraine Bracco as Sophia the Seagull, who I don't recall from the... uh, um, Animated version, so there's something. Uh, Cynthia Erivo as the Blue Fairy, which I like. You'd know her as uh, Harriet Tubman in the uh, the film Harriet. Um, Keegan-Michael Key as Honest John. I like that. That's a good cast. And then uh, a kid with whom I am not familiar, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, will be playing the titular Pinocchio. Now let's switch over to the other side. So in the in the uh, the uh, Del Toro version, we have Gizmo, Gizmo Gizmo Del Toro, Gizmo Del Toro, not you, Gizmo, fucking guy. Uh, We have Finn Wolfhard as Lampwick, Uh, as the aforementioned David Bradley as Geppetto, Ewan McGregor as Cricket, Ron Perlman as Mangiafuoco. I don't I don't know what Fuoco means, but Mangia means eat, so. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Look that up while we're... Look what F-U-O-C-O is in Italian. Um, Christoph Waltz as the fox. Just the fox. That's all it says. And then there are a few characters who don't have... Or a few actors who don't have characters listed under them. Kate Blanchett, who I would imagine might be the Blue Fairy. Tilda Swinton, who I'm hoping plays a villain... Tim Blake Nelson, who I fucking love, uh, you'd know him as uh, Samuel Stearns from the uh, Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton. You'd know him from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You'd know him from... Uh, so I'm getting Fuoco translated to English means fire. He's a fire eater. A fire eater. Maybe it's like that sounds like a like a devil character, maybe? Like, because if you look at the um, some of the some of the creature designs, they're creepy as fuck. But I don't know. Fire Eater sounds cool. But I'm really interested to see how they take this adaptation and if they uh, introduce any new characters, kind of transform it. Because I believe the or character, how this is... the name Pinocchio, I believe is public domain. But I don't. Well, the know... story is an Italian folk. So I'm wondering if they're going to stay truer to 
Hence why he's cricket and not Jiminy cricket. Right. You know, maybe this isn't as uh, kid friendly as the. Although. Well, side again, note, the original 1940 animated Pinocchio film is terrifying. Yes. Absolutely terrifying, if you really think about it. Uh, so it'll be, long story short, it's going to be really interesting. Both films have fantastic casts. Well, I didn't, but I, I didn't I, finish naming a couple of these characters, or these cast members. So Tim Blake Nelson, John Turturro, and Bern Gorman. Bern Gorman was uh he played the guy who was friends with uh with um Charlie Day in um uh Pacific Rim. He was also in uh The Dark Knight Rises and he was also in Game of Thrones. Carl Tanner, he was a fucking legend in Gin Alley drinking wine out of the skull of Gior fucking Mormont. Oh, same. Yeah. Same. So these are actors who are known for their scarier roles, less kid-friendly, absolutely. Um, these guys definitely um, are going to be are going to be great, and I'm I'm very excited for this. So that's what we have there. Do you have anything else you wanted to add as far as uh, something? I mean, obviously we had. Uh, a couple of a uh, couple of deaths you know, this past if, week. You know, if but... this year, I mean, obviously it kicked off a little bit before New Year's, but you know, if this year could just kind of cool pump it the a little bit, a little yeah, bit. pump the brakes on the uh, on the icon deaths of icons, like that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Louis Anderson and Meatloaf, uh, Meatloaf in this in a few hours apart. We found that out. Like, everybody's still like, oh, my God, I can't believe Meatloaf. Oh, yeah, by the way, Louis Anderson also passed. Like, what the fuck? So if we could if we could calm down, Sidney Poitier, like, let's 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 relax a little bit. I mean, I'm um, still not over Betty White. So, right. you know. So let's get into our getting into character question, because this kind of uh, touches on what we talked about earlier and some of the stuff that we uh, mentioned uh, in this segment. So the question that we had this week, you know, you and I were going back and forth trying to come up with something good. And you came up with a, a pretty good question. It was, what is a film that you would like to see ex- the mythology expanded upon in a movie? I mean, uh, in a TV series or vice versa. What's a TV series that you would like to see get their own film? Because we have the Bob's Burgers movie coming out. Mm-hmm, you know, which we, I'm so excited May for. May 27th. Um, there's some really cool stuff that uh, we've got going on. So let's uh, let's get into it. So who is uh, what's a film that's your first your first choice? So kind of like in the same vein of The Dark Crystal, I think a Labyrinth series would be fantastic to kind of explore. I'm sorry. I have a cat yelling at me right now. Zombie I'm so yelling. sorry. Just grab I'm not her and bring her, her attention. I'm such a mean person. Such a mean uh, old Ignoring mom. her. Um, I think The Labyrinth would be fantastic as a series to kind of uh, explore the labyrinth itself, uh, how these creatures got there, how it was um, created, how Jareth became the Goblin King, where all the goblins came from. You know, I think that could be a really fantastic, especially like if it's done right, 
it could be a really great series. And I, I would probably make it a limited series. Oh, yeah. You know, like have us know the story that you want to tell. Ten episodes. Tell it, we're right. Done. You know, tell it over a, 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 a few episodes and then that's it. Don't try to don't try to draw it out any more than than you need to, because I think that's where. Um, so many shows just, run into trouble. I was going to say, like, in general, I think that's where so many series uh when you're really struggling to tell the story, like to when you're clearly grasping at straws to keep the story going. Yeah. You and know, just adding in random bullshit. That's why I think some of these series, you know, as as short as they are, some of these some of the more fantastic series are these shorter series where the writers know exactly where the series is going. They know when they start writing exactly how they want it to end. They just don't know how they want to get there, per se. Yeah, it's it's the, uh, like, um, George R. R. Martin says he's a gardener. But, like, if you know where you want to go, point A to point B to point C to the end, um, you know, then it shouldn't be an issue. So... That's a good one. I think the labyrinth would be cool because, you know, there is that I mean, that and, and whole... puppets. Everybody well, loves yeah. puppets. And there's that whole, um, you know, everything's in, not like disrepair, but like it's overgrown and like there's no people. Like, where but is see, everybody? But, but here's the thing. Like, you could do a backstory on that. Like, right, how that's it what got, I'm saying. Right, exactly. Like, where did it get to, to that point? point? Like, you why know, is it like how this? How did, and you would have to, I, I, I can't really think of anybody. Actually, you know what? The, the first person who comes to mind Hoggle? and I kind of... And, no, I was going to say the first person who comes to mind to cast as a young oh, Jareth, oh, oh. not not Hoggle, uh, is Timothy Chalamet. I knew you were going to say Timothy reason. Chalamet. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like he could maybe do it. Adam Lambert. I mean, he took over for for. But I mean, Freddie so Mercury, but but here's the way. thing: like Adam Lambert, I, I'm I'm thinking like a young like. Maybe late teens. Well, I don't. I don't know how old anybody is. So you know, like, I'm I'm, like Adam Lambert's. I don't know my age. I Alaska think? Thunderfuck Five Thousand as David Bowie. You know, you know. I would love to. See, I if would. You're going I, for if that you wanna, androgynous if, if you look. You want to put a drag queen? I mean, well, I mean, think of the character. David Bowie was pretty much a drag queen. You know, he just totally blurred the lines of gender constantly and i thought that was fantastic and so tilda swinton oh my goodness he is missed <laughs> but, but but i mean maybe to do like a now version i know but, you but, want I mean, a younger a, a version, younger version yeah. you know maybe find somebody you know i don't know but um but anyways let's move on to one of your choices oh well mine would be easy i want to i want a story of uh quint from the USS Indianapolis, him coming home from the USS Indianapolis up to the events uh, that transpired in 1975 on Amity Island with uh, Brody and Hooper. I want to know what what made him who he is. I want to see that Indianapolis scene um, play out, um, you know, in front of me. I want to, you know, he, he told us a bit about it, and that's one of the best scenes in, you know, the history of cinema. Um, I would love to see that play out, um, you know, in, in real, real time reality. I would like to see that one. How about you? Okay. So another one on my list of 
films that I think would lend itself well to a series is The Birdcage. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, obviously it's it's Armand and it's... Um, my God, why am I drawing a blank on Nathan Lane's name? Oh, my God. Starina. Right. The adventures of Starina, pretty much. Like, Starina and all of her drag friends and all of the fabulous gays, you know, uh, at the birdcage, entertaining. Every week it's some, you know, some wacky thing happens before performance time and they have to, you know. You know uh, so you want to uh, make it like a, an 80s, 90s sitcom? Yeah. You know, like, oh, no, we can't find Starina's Purin tablet. Oh, Starina's supposed to perform here, but Nathan Lane's supposed to perform here at the same time. What do we do? Oh, what a wacky coincidence. Uh, yeah, something like that I think would be fantastic. You know, just like a half-hour comedy. Uh, just, you know, because in the birdcage, obviously we get a bit of these characters, but we get them... Uh, it's a it's a moment of their life, right? Like, let's dealing, see. It, it, it's these characters dealing with a certain happening. You know, their their son is uh, has proposed to his girlfriend, who comes from very very strict, very conservative political parents. Um, like, yeah, like literally, he is a, a conservative Republican <laughs> senator. You know, Albert. Albert, why? Oh my God, Albert! Yes, Albert and Armand. Um, how about them dolphins? But I think it would just be really fun to see more of the dynamic of the two of them. You know, Armand and Albert, the the Goldmans, and uh, young versions. Yeah, yeah, and and to see like the birdcage become what it is. You know, maybe they just purchased the birdcage and they're trying to get it up and running. And it's Starina becoming Starina, and it's you know Agador Spartacus, you know, scratching like li literally scratching the AS off of the aspirin tablets to give to Star. You know what I mean? Like I just think it could be fabulous and something really fun and very campy. And I would tune in every week to watch it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So for me, my second one is, again, another predictable one. If you know the movies that I really like, you know my taste in films. Um, I would like to see the backstory of The Thing. Like how The Thing from another world ended up in Antarctica. Like, you know, bring it all the way up to how it gets frozen in the ice. Like how it gets on that ship is you know what is it you know we still don't need to see what it looks like but like we can see it in like some interesting other uh atmospheres either that or they can go with my sequel idea and make that into a series which i'm not going to say what it is because i don't want anyone stealing my idea because it's a really good idea but um that's what i would i would uh i would go with for my second one and i think my third one's going to surprise you but uh, what's your third one? So my third one is The Incredibles. I think that it would have lent itself. You know, the first film was fantastic. I love The Incredibles. Um, the second film, not so much. Like, it was good, but it wasn't as fantastic as that first film. And I 
think that it really would have lent itself better to a series. You know, every week, The Incredibles, they're fighting some new villain. And, you know, they could have come up with some really creative villains. Oh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Or maybe had like a couple of big bads, you know, um, maybe maybe Show some throwbacks to when they were younger. Right. You know, them uh, realizing that they have powers and how to use them. Like an origin story for... For uh, you know, like, the two and, of them. yeah, so kind of like a little back and forth. Maybe we get a little bit of backstory mixed with a little bit of future stuff. Um, you know, the kids coming into their powers and stuff, and you know, learning how to use them because obviously they know how to use them, but use learn how to use them, um, through trial and error in a way that benefits the family. You know, when they're out and they're fighting bad guys and they're doing all of this stuff. You know, we could see more of Frozone. We could see oh, you know, yeah. more of that dynamic. I just think that that would, you know, a, a, again, a half hour series once a week, you know, easily could have got a couple of seasons out of it. I would have watched it. I think that's fantastic. I mean, these are really great characters. And then, you know, kind of go in a little more of balancing the family life with the superhero life. Yeah, I think that would be... Um, and we all need more Jack-Jack in our lives anyways, so... You want to just do a Jack-Jack show? Demon Baby, absolutely. Just all Jack-Jack all the time? Um, For me, for my third one, this one I think would be the most interesting. Um, I would like to see the backstories and like the younger versions of say the characters of pulp fiction i want to see uh vincent when he's out in uh in what you call it in in paris you know getting a royale with cheese i want to see um i want to see you know what jules was up to maybe what jules gets up to afterwards um i think that those characters are incredibly interesting. How did Marcellus and Mia Wallace meet? How did Marcellus Wallace become the kingpin of, you know, uh, L.A.? You know, how did he get up to that point? Um, you know, let, maybe we can see the story of him and Tony Rocky Horror, you know, and in the, in the infamous foot massage Maybe we find out how the uh, the thing ended up in his, uh, like how the uh, the whatever the light bulb thing from the uh, from the briefcase was. Like maybe we find out the backstory of that. Like there's a lot of different um, a lot of different theories that like maybe it was his soul or maybe it was gold or maybe it was. You know, whatever. Um, I think that would be interesting. I would like to see that. So, Pulp Fiction. And then you can expand it to the wider Tarantino verse because, you know, you, then you have the guys from uh, Reservoir Dogs. You know, Clarence in Alabama from uh, from uh, True Romance. Like, there's a lot you can do. So, I, uh, I would like to see an expansion of the Tarantino verse. So now going into uh, television series that could benefit from a film, Schitt's Creek, just because I want more Schitt's Creek. 
Yeah, I think that would definitely work. Um, you know, the way that it was, uh, and and Dan Levy ended the series as such, kind of left it open-ended with the intention of eventually maybe putting out a film. Uh, when the time is right, you know, um, it may be too early. And, and you know, it, it has to, It, ha- it it's his baby. And I trust him, you know, and I trust his judgment because, I mean, hello, we have this fabulous series that is just so great. And I still watch it, like, on repeat. And I I love it. I cannot get enough of it. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, we could benefit from a film just kind of checking in on the roses, you know. Or have they continued to evolve as people? Um, you know, David is still in Shit's Creek. So, you know, how's how's he doing? You know, he just got married to Patrick. Like not me, how a different guy. Is, yeah, different guy. Uh, you know, how that, you know, is is Rose Apothecary still thriving, you know? Um how's Alexis? She went to New York by herself, like this this, you know, perpetually codependent person is is fending for herself for probably the first time and you know how is she doing i i i think that you know we what's stevie doing you know and all of these secondary characters that we've grown to love over the six seasons of schitt's creek like what are they doing how are they you know we left we left them with a lot of questions as well. So I think it would be fantastic to go back to Schitt's Creek, you know, even just for just for a couple hours to just to see how everyone's doing. I mean, that's fair. Um, I think there are several shows that could benefit from uh, a movie. Um, I don't see like there's a couple that I would love to see, but I don't see it happening. Like I don't see another Simpsons movie. Um, well, I mean, that's because the Simpsons just... Th- well, hear me out. All good things must come to an end. Right, and I think the Simpsons movie should be the end of that series. I think they should do a movie, and that should be the end of the series, because I am really not impressed with the last couple it's of years. It's not good. Well, it's like you said, you know, sometimes a show goes on and 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 on. It's like you've broken all the records. It, like... You know, watching Tom Brady this weekend, it's like, you know what? You didn't win a Super Bowl, but, like, you led the league in pretty much every every passing category. There's nothing left for you to accomplish. Hang them up. Retire. Same with the, same with the Simpsons. Make your wife happy. There's nothing left for you to if accomplish. If you don't, I will. You have, yeah, she is rich, so I support that. And then you can divorce her, take half her stuff. Exactly. Yeah. How come when you want to do that, it's okay, but when I want to do it, ooh, suddenly, just because I wanted to pin somebody's murder on Nicole. Like, the the whole thing is, there's nothing you could, there's nothing else you need to do. Like, you've won all kinds of Emmys, you've won all kinds of awards, you know, there's when you no get to the, guest that you could but, possibly but have on. Like, when you get to the point where you have to retcon how old the somebody history is. of of these characters homer simpson to... was a was a was a child an infant a toddler at woodstock but he also grew up in the 90s like no like he's not my age he was born in the 60s bart simpson is my age bart simpson is literally canonically up until this retcon he was canonically one day older than me he was born on april 1st 1981 now I don't know what is he. He was 
born in 2012 2000 after the show had been on the air for 30 years. It's like you have all the records. Like you, you've you've passed Gunsmoke. You've passed everything. There's nothing left. Even the the Halloween episodes, which were like the shining beacon of the awesomeness, best episodes for the most part. They have started to wane in quality. So uh, I don't know. I'm just. I, I think that's a, uh, a series that could benefit from another movie and end it. Like, just get it over with. But a couple other ones, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think could have a really funny movie. would definitely be rated R. Oh my God, Lethal Weapon 7. The, I think they're doing that in the... I don't know. They might be doing that in the series. I don't know. I, I haven't watched it in a few years. Um, you know, Lost in Space is another one that I really liked that I thought could... Game of Thrones is one that could benefit from a movie to kind of wash the taste of season eight out of everyone's mouths. So I would, I would, I would say Game of Thrones. Uh, do you have any other ones you want to add? So, well, question with Game of Thrones: Would you want to wait until George R. Martin finishes the books and then? No, maybe... because they've already diverged from it so much. Okay. Like, um, I would say just. Take the storyline that you've built, you know, wrap things up neatly, take care of all the loose ends. I mean, it might be too late for that because there's a lot of stuff that they just kind of that Dan and Dave just rushed through because they were like, oh, we have a Star Wars thing that we want to do. So we're going to rush through and do our Star Wars thing. And because they rushed through and made a terrible product, um they didn't get their star wars thing so everybody got everybody lost in the end because they rushed game of thrones so they could get to star wars and because they rushed game of thrones they didn't get star wars it's like take pride in your work and so i think i think that would well, be well i have i have one more that i want to throw oh, yeah, out yeah, there yeah. uh so there was this fantastic series on netflix uh, the first season was was good. Like it was off to a rocky start, but it it ended pretty great. And and the second season was just amazing. And the third season was alright, uh, but they left a lot. Of, Netflix canceled the show, and it left a lot of questions unanswered. And I mean, in in let's. Even though that third season wasn't great, it was still pretty good. It was still watchable. It was still enjoyable. Uh, Glow. I think that they, Netflix should at least give Glow a film, you know, a couple hours to just kind of wrap things up, uh, answer some questions. You know, these characters were too good to be canceled. That's, that's solid. Um, I like that. Would you want to see uh, an American Horror Story movie? No. All right, I didn't think so. There's too many no. characters. Well, no, no, no. And and here's the thing. Uh, they can't even get a full se- like a full season of a show correct. Uh, Ryan Murphy always does something where, you know, it, like this most recent season of American Horror Story. Uh, and they also did American Horror Stories, which were individual... Uh, like vignettes? Well, there, was, there were single episodes. Like everything was wrapped up in one episode. So it was like a... Oh, self-contained serialized story yes. like the simpsons or family guy or something like but, that but not even serialized it had like one story didn't really have much to do with the the other it was almost like um 
anthology series. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. That's a word. Anthology series. Oh, uh, I just thought of another one. Stranger Things. Let's have a Stranger Things film. Well, 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 huh, well let's let's see what this four. next uh, season brings us. We got to do it soon before the kids are all like in their thirties in like twenty years. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, this most recent season of American Horror Story where they split it in half. The first half was fantastic up until like the last up to like the last episode and then I just couldn't even I couldn't get into the second half I gave it a couple of episodes I was like oh you lost me but you know it, he, they do that they'll start off really well they'll introduce some characters they'll give some great backstory there's a lot of back and forth some really great dialogue and then it just kind of goes off and you know you stick with it because you kind of want to see where it goes but it usually the turns sunk into cost a- investment Fal- the sunk you know, cost fallacy. You know, it, it just it usually turns into a train wreck, and you know, you just you just you can't look away. But like, it's not great. So I don't think that he, uh, I don't think he could. He Ryan Murphy would not benefit from a film because I don't know if he would really know what to do with it. Yeah, it's the uh, that's that's the name of it. It's um, the what that's called the the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, the Walking Dead again. Those were supposed to get movies too, but that's another one of those where like the quality Just deteriorated ended already. But people have spent so much time with these characters, which is why they won't kill off like Carol or Daryl or you know some of these other characters. Meryl, I thought we were rhyming. Daryl, Meryl, Barrel. Like they won't kill them off because those are the only ones that are keeping people coming back. Like if they killed them off to bring in a whole new crop of characters, nobody would care anymore. So, um, you know, I think that they uh, like they should end that, and that's another one that could benefit perhaps from uh, from having a movie end the series. So I think that's a good place to uh, kind of wrap things up. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking about Johnny Karate, uh, also known as Sensei Lawrence, William Zabka's Johnny Lawrence from the Karate Kid franchise and Cobra Kai. We'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Spice fans, Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. 
make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. back that was called quiver off of the uh uh the cobra kai soundtrack and if you recall in one of the episodes uh is called quiver and a quiver is also the name of a group of cobras uh as opposed uh, also uh i was gonna say in addition to meaning like quiver like ooh, i'm quivering with anticipation like it also means a group of cobras which i thought was pretty interesting so, uh, like we have talked about the last couple of weeks, this is uh, a character to which, uh, Ashes, you have only recently been introduced. Correct. And we don't get to see much of him uh, in the first film, uh, at least nothing really from his point of view. Uh, there are some deleted scenes that we talked about last week. Um, kind of really that I think would have undercut a lot of the things that were in the movie uh, but were brought up in the show like you know Daniel coming up to him and you know uh, Johnny forcing the uh, permission slip on him and then Daniel asking him hey didn't you ever think that maybe your teacher's teaching you the wrong things because this is after obviously the point where Miyagi says there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. Teacher say, student do. So there's uh, there's a little bit of that backstory and these deleted scenes that we get to see for Johnny. Um, even the beginning of Karate Kid 2, where we see Kreese attack him and put him in the chokehold, there is a common misconception that this was filmed and was a deleted scene from the first movie. Uh, it is not. It was filmed completely uh, original with part two, but they just wanted to keep the timeline as this is all happening with happening within like a 24-hour period. So what were your initial impressions of 
Johnny Lawrence. So, in the films, um, you don't really learn too, too much about him. Uh, he's clearly meant to be the bully to Daniel LaRusso's character. Yes. You know, and, and that's what he's there for. He's very um, he's very one note for very the most part. Very unsympathetic. Um, he's literally the opposite of Daniel in any way. You know, it, it's almost like they, they put like, well, we, we, need a, we need someone who's the complete and total opposite of this character that we are making into the hero, so to speak. Uh, so they needed somebody who was... Not only did they need someone who was opposite of, of Miyagi, so that's where you get John Kreese from, you know, um, obviously Miyagi karate is very uh, defensive. It's very... Um, Passive. Reactive. Yes, yes, yes. That, that's actually a really good word. Uh, whereas, you know, Cobra Kai, you know, strike, strike first. hard, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. You know, they're very aggressive, very aggressive. So, you know, they needed almost like a, a yin and yang type thing. They needed something opposite of, of this calm um, demeanor that is Miyagi and, and you know, Daniel LaRusso, for, so to speak. Uh I told you in conversation that the reason why I like the Cobra Kai series so much is that this character, we didn't know anything about him. You know, we, we could, uh, we could, we could make some speculations obviously, but we really didn't know anything about this Johnny Lawrence character, except for he was almost like your your stereotypical 80s bad guy bully. Yeah, he was the rich valley kid who was already really good at something, and the new guy came in, and it was over a girl. And it, like you were saying, like the, it, it the was aesthetic even was like, completely opposite. Like, Cobra Kai wears black geese, Miyagi-Do wears white geese, you know, like the old western, the black hat versus the white mm -hmm. hat. You know, Daniel is this kind of darker skinned Italian kid uh, with brown hair, you know, dark brown hair. And Johnny's like this lighter skinned kid with blonde hair, you know, typical California yeah, they, they beach were, they kid. They were really, you know, polar opposites of each other. And I told you um, when we were having our, our conversation that I appreciate the Cobra Kai series because the most character development that we got from Johnny Lawrence in the films was in that first film when John Kreese tells him at the All Valley Tournament to sweep the leg, do this illegal move. To his already injured leg. Yeah, to his already injured leg. And the face, not even, no words, He's no incredulous. nothing. The face that he makes, you know, the it, it, clearly this kid has some sense of, of morality. He has, you know, there, there's something there, but they don't really go into it. There is a deleted scene that I don't remember. I know you and I talked about it off the air, and I wanted to bring it up. Um uh, this week while we talked about Johnny and Cobra Kai. Um, the scene after uh, the kid, Bobby goes, I think it's Bobby, yeah. Bobby goes and um, elbows Daniel in the knee illegally and gets uh, disqualified. Um, we see him on the mat, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, like, he apologizes, like, I only did what my sensei told me to, and, like, he felt terrible about it. 
the deleted scene shows Daniel writhing in pain on the ground and the two uh, medics or security or whoever, go uh, the officials carry him off to the locker room. And Bobby walks over, stands in front of John Kreese, takes his belt off and throws it on the ground in front of him and storms off. That, I think, if had they played that and kept that in the movie, would have helped more the uh, the the look like that you were just talking about, like the the character development there of um, Johnny Lawrence when he it's like they've already injured this kid's leg to the point where he could he was lucky to compete, and now you're telling him to further injure him. Right, like you know, it's it's Johnny Lawrence, two time all valley champion uh wants to win but he wants to win the right way you know he doesn't want to do cheap shots he doesn't want to uh he doesn't want to win for the sake of winning he wants to earn it and we see a little bit more of of this um kind of like um morality in question at the beginning of the second film well let's say even at the very end when johnny hands daniel the the trophy and says you're all right larusso even though you kicked me in the face with an illegal move yes (laughs) uh but in the you know the beginning of the second film we see the the parking lot scene Mm -hmm. you know johnny lawrence has his second place trophy and you know what second place is all right yeah, he's just won so you twice. Know, just throwing that out there, you won know, twice, like, twice, and came in second. Um, you know, as, as long as as long as you try your best, uh, but we see the altercation between Crease and Lawrence, and then ultimately Crease and and Mr. Miyagi. Miyagi. How does second place feel now, huh? You're nothing. You lost. You're a loser. Hey, you're the loser, man. You know, but to have to see that dynamic, uh, this you know between between John Kreese, their sensei, this the man who's mentor, supposed to be molding right, their young exactly, minds, this this person who is supposed to be in this mentor uh, position, who's supposed to, um, like you said, be be molding their young minds, be you know uh, a, a, a confidant. Uh, a person, a, a, a teacher, positive role model. <laughs> yeah, um, is not. He's not. He's he's a garbage person. And also, I really enjoy Cobra Kai for the fact that we get more of John Kreese's backstory too. You know, there is a reason why everyone is how they are. Um, you know, just just some people are. Uh, some people can grow and move past it, and some people can't. Like. We we discussed how, you know, Miyagi won the Medal of Honor while his wife and uh, newborn son died during childbirth in an internment camp. You know, we get to see the backstory of how Kreese learned the whole no mercy thing uh, and why he has the mentality that he does and, you know not striking first and having mercy led to the death of, you know, his friends in Vietnam. Right. Like you, you understand, uh, why certain characters are the way that they are. Um, but 
you also see how certain characters try to evolve and change and overcome uh, who they were. Like, I really love Johnny Lawrence's character arc, you know, from who he is in the films to what, 30 years later, you know, uh, the beginning of Cobra Kai to where we've ended up at the end of, of season four going into season five eventually. He's a completely different person now. I mean, he's still he still has certain things that, you know, is very true to who he is. But you can tell that he's trying to learn and he's trying to evolve and he's trying to break this cycle that he's found himself in. You know, when we see him in the films, we don't know his backstory. We don't know why he is the way that he his is. terrible home we life. We just think that he's this spoiled, entitled brat who, you know, couldn't get the girl, is pissed that somebody else did, and, you know, is heavily influenced by this, you know, sensei who's trying to turn him into this karate killing machine almost you trying to make him into a, another version of him because he thinks that his way is the only way that's right and strong and you have to project strength at all times and if you don't project strength at all times any weakness is you know going to get you killed but like not understanding that like they're not in a war zone anymore well, that's the thing like it all depends on st- your your situation you know absolutely there are certain things that you can take you know i learned this when i was put in this situation but that doesn't pertain to everyday life this is how i had to fight to the death over the cobra pit it's like right but that's not the 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 situation that they're dealing with at school it's like hey he broke my boom box but, but here's the thing and that kind of um so a lot of people who came back from vietnam weren't the same were never the same i have two uncles that were over there and apparently when they came back they never spoke of anything like they just they just didn't talk about it nobody has any clue what went on over there uh but apparently some some really terrible they 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 saw like they witnessed some really terrible terrible stuff uh that happened um you know so you have two options you know you can you can let it affect you or you know, uh, and Let I think it, it has consume to consume you. Yes, that that's a better. You know, it also has to do with uh, mental health and the way that we view mental health now versus the way previous generations viewed mental health. Had John Kreese, you know, sought out therapy when he came back from Vietnam, may not be the same person that we see in Cobra Kai. Or, or, you know, in the films or, you know, what have you. Um, but because, you know, he didn't take care of his mental health, maybe that wasn't an, an, an option. You know, he gained this really toxic mentality of no mercy. And, you know, yes, there are instances where absolutely show no mercy, but that doesn't necessarily need to be applied to everyday life especially not for eight-year-olds first doing karate 
you know, you know well I just wasn't and we're not even for high schoolers doing karate you know these under 18 kids you know in this tournament that he's mentoring he's their sensei he's teaching them this this brand of karate uh they're gonna they're gonna hurt so and they do hurt someone many times and they get hurt themselves as a result because people are just going to you know defend themselves and we see this over and over you know not just in the movies but in the tv show because we see you know how many people suffer catastrophic injuries or catastrophic life-changing events like say going to juvenile hall and getting the shit kicked out but of you on a daily basis. But not only that, you, you see a shift in mentality too. So what happens is Cobra Kai is pretty much disbanded at what the end of the second or the, the third one? They It bounces back and forth. Like Johnny Lawrence's version of Cobra Kai is done because Kreese comes in and poisons everybody's mind. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in the films oh, 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 before oh. Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. Cobra Kai is pretty much done at the end of the third one, and they get the uh, lifetime ban um, from the All-Valley Tournament. And, you know, Kreese, you know, just gets into a low place, and I don't know what happens with Terry Silver. He goes and leaves and... Apparently uh, makes a lot of money. Well, he was already super rich. Remember, he was '80s guy. But when we when we meet Johnny Lawrence thirty years later, he's definitely in a rut. Mm-hmm. He's single, living by himself, uh, has fallen into this pattern, working odd jobs. He was what a maintenance. He was a maintenance guy. Yeah, person. he was good at it. Um. You just, just, just not so great with dealing with the people. Well, he wasn't good with dealing with the people that he used to be. So his dad left when he was very young, and his mother remarried to a super rich guy that was way older than her. Well, because she thought she was doing what was best. Right. She wanted Johnny to have the things she didn't have as a kid, so she became a trophy wife. For all intents, she she did not love Ed Asner, um, and he used the money that he had and the things that he would give Johnny as I'm a good parent, I'm better than your dad because I'm here. But he bullied him mercilessly. He was terrible, but because he had the money, he could do whatever he wanted. So I think that's what led. To Johnny, especially after losing the um, losing the All Valley, I think that's what led him to just trying to find his own way and not accepting the handouts from from. Uh, now I can't remember his name. I want to say Roy, but like not accepting the handouts anymore sid weinberg sid i was close it was three letters yes um Uh, but you know his relationship with his stepfather is what drove him to karate 
and his relationship with his stepfather is what drove him to seek out mentorship with John Kreese. Yes, he and needed why, a positive male role oh, model. Quote positive, yes. Um, and why he was so because John Kreese obviously took an in, a, a special interest in Johnny Lawrence. Yes, uh, the kid had some natural talent, but he was also very susceptible because he was so desperate to find someone who would give him any positive reinforcement. And no matter what he did, Sid wouldn't give it to him. Right. Well, and he was really, you know, when you're when you're that age, you're very impressionable. Yeah, I think he was he was eight when he started at Cobra Kai. You know, so when you have this person as your mentor during your formative years. When you're trying to learn who you are, like he didn't know the difference between doing something because it was right and doing something because it was going to get you, you know, hey, nice job, Johnny. Hey, good job. You know, I'm the authority figure here and I'm praising you above all the other students. Um so he would do whatever it needed to be done because no matter what he did with Sid, Sid wasn't going to give him that that uh, reinforcement. So he, one of the things that I want to know, like the biggest thing I want to know is, where was he during the events of Karate Kid Three? Like, was he that upset and that distraught and that broken by what happened between the tournament? And the incident with John Kreese that he left, did he go to college? Did he go off somewhere else? Did he go backpacking through Europe to figure out what was going on and find out what happened to him? Because we find out in season four, I believe, or three, whatever, when Daniel describes, you know, season four, when Daniel describes his uh, issues with Mike Barnes, how... Johnny didn't know that as defending champion, he only had to fight in the last in the last match. He got a free ride to the finals when Johnny didn't get that as the two time defending champion. He still had to fight his way through, you know, all these different opponents, whereas Daniel just got a free ride to the end. And he was like, oh, that's kind of messed up. Um, So I don't think he was anywhere near the valley for a couple of years. So. I think we might find out more about that in uh, the the next season. But if that was uh, due to the way Sid treated him, due to the way his falling out with John Kreese, because I look at it like the only positive, the only male role models he had in his life at that point were Sid and Kreese. And... Sid treated him like shit all the time, and John Kreese was trying to make him do stuff he didn't want to do, like you said, sweep the leg. He thought, like, but why? You know, I've, we've already gotten this kid beat. I can beat him on my own. And then Kreese putting him in the goddamn chokehold to the point where he was unable to breathe and was feared, fearing for his life until Miyagi stepped in. And it kind of threw his entire world... Uh, Upside down. Well, I think that, you know, up until the events of, of Cobra Kai, you know, we learn that he he joins the Air Force for a short stint uh, and he was uh, discharged for misconduct. Um, you know, he married and 
his wife was pregnant she was in labor she had their son and he wasn't there because that was when his mother passed the only person that he had any type of real connection to uh passed and he couldn't be there for his family he became an alcoholic i don't know if he was much you know much of one before those events but he definitely turned to drinking as a as a way of of dealing with you know attempting to either process or or stifle the emotional damage that happens when you lose someone like that and thus you know like i said before facilitating this cycle of he wasn't there for his son just like his dad wasn't there for him you know um he kind of spirals to this point where he's living in this you know not so great I mean, he well, he's he's living in Reseda. He's living in the exact same apartment complex that Daniel that Larusso, Larusso was lived in. in. Like like we talked about last week, there was a a big. Uh, There's it, and that's the biggest shift reversal. of all. Yes, you know, whereas Daniel Larusso found his footing, and climbed up in the world and became, we'll say, wealthier. Oh no, he's uh, rich as a know, self-made man. You know, um. Johnny Lawrence did the opposite. He kind of spiraled and is still spiraling when we meet him 30 years later at the beginning of Cobra Kai. Uh, he's trying to find his footing. He's trying to figure out who he is. And that's actually... So, in the films, my favorite character is Mr. Miyagi. I mean, for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But in the series, my favorite character is Johnny Lawrence because I love how... Um, I love what this character represents. I love how he goes about doing things. He's not perfect, but he has the best intentions. Um, you know, and, and he's growing and he's evolving. You know, like I said last week, talking about the uh, Danny LaRusso, you know, in the Danny LaRusso conversation, um, I love that the show is is highlighting the fact that, you know, there's no specific age that you need to be established by. That's a myth. You know, there, there are, you, you don't have to know who you are by a specific age. You don't ever have to. I mean, you can constantly be learning and constantly evolving. That's how we should be anyways. Uh, you know, there's no set age that you need to have x y and z. There, there's no list of things that you need to have accomplished by a specific age and it's never too late you're never too old to reignite an old passion or find a new one you know life is like a play it's split into multiple acts just because you feel like you're done with one act go on to the next yeah you know like i i personally i, I feel like i'm i'm kind of entering my second and i think you kind of feel that too entering your your second act i think you know, i feel like i'm entering re, my first act you know reigniting old passions um 
finding new ones, finding your place, finding your, your footing, finding purpose, you know, and that's what Johnny Lawrence is to, to me. He is someone who's trying to find his purpose, uh, trying to right the wrongs, trying to rectify some situations. And he's so not perfect. He's probably the most imperfect person in in the show but i love him for that you know because he's trying he's constantly trying and you know it's he goes about it in a really funny way yeah he's like everything he's doing is basically through trial and error and he doesn't know how to do it you know he is let go from his job as a maintenance person and he is kind of floundering he's trying to figure out you know what's my motivation what am i doing and he restarts cobra kai and becomes a sensei and his first student is a kid who lives in his apartment complex miguel and you know, Miguel. Miguel. <laughs> Miguel, uh, Miguel becomes his star pupil, you know, and they form this bond, this, you know, mentor, student, you know, teacher, um, almost familial in the third and fourth season. Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely you know, and, and and it's almost like he's trying to. Um, well, and and really, the whole purpose of him trying to get his shit together, get his act together, you know, become a better person, is for his son. He's trying to be there for his son. He's trying to make up for all of this lost time. Uh, there's obviously some wires that get crossed, some things that happen. Again, you know, if some of these characters just had a conversation about things, you know, but again, we need to drive plots forward and stuff like that. Uh, but he forms this relationship with Miguel. Um, why do I keep calling it Miguel? Miguel. 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 Uh, I only Miguel. I, have, I have a southern accent, but only when I say that. <laughs> Sorry, it's one of my other personalities trying to come through. Uh, It's almost like he's trying to... Make up for what happened with Robbie with Miguel. Yes, and he sees Miguel, uh, who does not have a father figure in his life, nor has he ever known his father, you know, lives with his, his mother, who is a single parent, and his grandmother, you know, feels that he could be a somewhat positive influence in this kid's life and ultimately you know he he is he goes about it in an interesting way but you know uh it he's so out of touch with certain things and i think it's partially due to the fact that he just had uh, up until this point he didn't really have any desire to be in touch with certain things. Like he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have uh, a computer, internet access and all this stuff. So like he, he's learning things and it kind of reminds me of, well, actually kind of reminds me of teaching my mother how to use certain things and do things and start a hash brown. Start a hash brown. <laughs> hash brown Cobra cry. <laughs> You know, he's trying to um, he's trying to appeal to these kids. He's trying to seem cool. 
I guess, you know, in a in a in a way, uh, and it's it's really adorable and it's really in, endearing. Uh, you know, when he when he I even learned feminism. You know, trying to entice more more girls to join his his dojo, uh, and obviously there's the. Um, back and forth with with Daniel LaRusso this rivalry that's again they're so similar that if they just realized what they could gain if they worked together like a lot of problems would be solved yeah if they just simply were able to put us like it's over and over it's made it it's made to seem like Johnny is the one who is uncompromising and unwilling to to change and unwilling to, you know, see the other th- side of things. But Daniel is exactly the same. It's like, no, no, no. Everything I did got me to this point, so I can't make any changes whatsoever. I can't learn. I can't evolve. I can't do right, anything. It's, it's, it's my way is the right way. Miyagi taught me this, so I won the All-Valley, you know, 61 years ago. I won the All-Valley. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a, I've been coasting on that my entire fucking life. You know, talk about a guy who peaked in high school, you know. But Johnny restarts Cobra Kai. And he starts to, to, to get students, and he's running Cobra Kai very similarly to what he knows Cobra Kai to be. You know, one of the first things he does is he paints on the wall, you know, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. No mercy. Um, but he's running his dojo with slightly more compassion than John Kreese had for his students. He's altering the messaging without compromising the overall uh, intention where it's like, yes, strike hard, strike first, but don't cheat. We don't need to cheat. And we, we see him start to develop this moral compass Especially once John Kreese comes back and is an influence on not only Johnny once again, but, you know, Cobra Kai, his dojo and and his students. And Johnny starts to realize how toxic this person is and how this person hasn't, you know, John Kreese hasn't changed at all. But Johnny Lawrence has, you know, and he realizes that John Kreese is not the type of person that he wants to be. And it's not the type of person that he wants to be associated with. Right. He wants to, you know, he, know, he realizes, you know, similar, similarly to Daniel LaRusso, my sensei taught me all these things and got me to where I am today. Johnny Lawrence thinks, my sensei taught me all these things and got me to where I am today. And I don't, you know, I went from, you know, being a member of the country club to, you know, eating expired bologna fried up with gross mustard juice. Or what, the manly manwich? Manwiches. Jerky and... Doritos. 
bourbon in it. I don't know. Um, oh, and what's with the beer that he drinks? Coors Banquet. Like, what is that? Gross. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> it's probably cheap, but, like, it looks fancy. But, like, you know, part of him is still kind of stuck in the past. You know, he listens to 80s rock. On he... cassette in his iRock. Yeah. Or Trans Am. <laughs> you know, he eats the same things that he used to. He drinks the same beer that he's always drank. Um, you know, they're, they're, he's, I mean, he's, he's kind of 80s guy. Like holding on like that. Those were his glory years. He's, he's trying to hold on to Jim it. Jim Brewer as Goat Boy. Hey, remember the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he does change, and he does evolve as a person. And that's what makes this character so great. You know, he goes on this journey with his students um, and with Daniel LaRusso and with everyone else involved. And, you know, you're thinking at the beginning of the series that he's going to be pegged as, like, the bad guy, the villain. But in reality, he's the good guy. He's the guy that you're rooting for. Yeah, because you saw who he was way back in the day, and now... You're getting to see different people. You know, You're getting really, to see him in a, in a different light, I should say. You know, and he really does have the best intentions. Even when, you know, his son Robbie, who really wants to stick it to him, so forms this relationship with Daniel LaRusso, uh, which results in him becoming Daniel LaRusso's student and starting Miyagi-Do. Um, and then once Cobra Kai, like Johnny Lawrence, went away from Cobra Kai because John Kreese had taken it over and started Eagle Fang Dojo. Eagle Fang Karate. Because, uh, you know, you know eagles have fangs. Well, because it's, it just, it sounds badass. You know, there's something about him that, like, he's still that uh, 16, 17-year-old at heart. Mm -hmm. There's a little piece of him that's just kind of holding on to that. Like, he still holds a torch for his former self. And I kind of love that. I kind of love that. Uh, but he's trying to move forward, and he's trying to be a better person. And, you know, even though his son is you know, representing an opposing dojo, like he's still trying to be there for him. He's still he's still rooting for him, even though he's, you know, technically opponents. Yes. Yeah, there he's trying to do the best of both worlds. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's trying to well, he's also trying to show his son how much he's changed. Like, hey, you know. I'm a better man than you think I am. You know, I'm not trying to replace you with Miguel. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, it's not that you weren't good enough. It's that I wasn't good enough to be your dad. And I'm trying to show you that I can be. And, you know, where everything leads off at the end of season four, 
you know, they have that really great moment. And I'm hoping that means that Robbie's going to jump ship and leave Cobra Kai because he's having that same, like, moral dilemma that Johnny Lawrence had when he was in Cobra Kai. He sees how toxic the mentality of Cobra Kai is under the the um, instructing inst- you know, of, of John Kreese and Terry Silver. Silver might be the most dangerous one of all of them. You know, he's, he's seeing that and... You know, um, I'm I'm hoping that this leads to some more. Like we mentioned last episode, a lot of the kids like they like I was in this dojo. Now I'm in this dojo. I'm doing a lot of dojo flipping, crossing, moving. Um, I'm hoping that he teams up with his dad. Yeah, that would be that would be nice and like bring down Cobra Kai from the inside. Like, that would be kind of cool. I mean, either do something like that or, you know, I, I, I think that um, season five would be a very good time for them to start repairing their relationship and realizing that, you know, you can only hate somebody for so long. You know, and obviously Robbie has this disdain towards his dad, which is understandable because his dad wasn't there. And his mother is a piece of work and she is she was never there for him either so he's pretty much raising himself um which is ultimately how he ends up uh under the under the eye of of the larusso's so it'll be interesting to see if that relationship gets repaired and you know just the just the outcome of all of that um i'm really hoping for a happy ending for johnny lawrence I, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, he's done his best to make himself into a better man. I he's, mean, he completely annihilated a sushi roll, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah, he, but he, didn't, tried. he didn't like sushi. But he tried. Um, you know, he's trying to be a better person, and I think that's really all you can do is try to be the best possible version of yourself that you can be. Now that version is going to waver from day to day. You know, some days you can be better than others, but as long as you're trying to be the best possible version of yourself that day, that's all you can do. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, what's the, what's the old saying? Do it, do what you can with what you have, where you are. And he has changed things uh, about his environment multiple times. He has uh, tried going back to Cobra Kai and, you know, reinstituting the dojo. He's tried going to uh, various training sites. Well, not only that, you know, it's really brave of him what he's doing. You know, he had kind of lost everything reignited his passion for karate reopened cobra kai lost cobra kai and he could have said you know what that's it that's it i tried and i failed and i'm done uh but he said no you know what eagle fang karate mm-hmm. yeah do karate in the living room yeah and you know he even trained at miyagi like he he gave that a shot and we see him use it and just like we see Daniel using some of Cobra Kai's techniques, you know, 
Johnny's techniques are very interesting. Like when he and Daniel take turns training each other. Um, like when he's shoveling the coal and or he's trying to get the students to jump from roof to roof. Yes. And well, I'm talking like, yeah, about no. just specifically when he's training Daniel. Okay. And he's like, you know, normally you shovel the coal into the fire, and he's like, quiet. Like, he does that shit all the time. He always yells at everybody to be quiet. And he eventually is, like, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Very similarly to how Miyagi's like, wax my car, paint my fence, sand my floor. Like, all these things that he's doing that are toughening you up and preparing you to be light on your feet or to be able to block an incoming attack or to be able to initiate um, contact the first time, where if you're initiating contact the first time, you're striking first. Sometimes your opponent doesn't have that opportunity to strike back. You know, you're strengthening different muscles. You're doing different things. But yeah, like you said, he's very unorthodox. It's like, all right, you know, we're going to... You know, the first the first day you're here, you're going to, you know, Alicia, you're going to fight Miguel and she beats the shit out of him, not using karate. But he's like, you know what? That's fine. Like, you know, but we see John Kreese do the similar thing. And it's like, all right, you just lost to an untrained fighter. You're off the team. But when Johnny is training Miyagi-Do and... Daniel is training Eagle Fang. Uh, that's when you really see the similarities get differences in the two. Um, Johnny is a little more abrasive in his approach. Like the scene where he wanted the students to jump from one roof to the other. Um, like he wanted them to face their fears. Yeah, and over... prove to them that, and, and and you know they're sitting there, they're sitting there, they're sitting there, and he's like, okay, fine, you know what, you're not going to do it, let's just go. And Samantha Larusso uh, is like, you know what, fine, fuck it, I'm going to do it, and she does it, and she's so proud of herself because she did it. She took a risk, she jumped, um, you know, and and she landed, and that's what. Well, she landed on the other side of the building. She was going to land one way or the other. Well, That's it, what those it, mattresses yeah. were she, for. <laughs> she, she stuck the landing. Let's put it that way. Um, I still want to know, because they cut away from it and didn't show, either A, how she jumped back over or how she got down through that locked building. Because they never showed how she... <laughs> uh, the movie magic. Um that's a that's a that's a problem for future Samantha. Present Samantha doesn't have to worry about that. But no, it's it's you know he does it in a way that he wants he wants them to face their fears. He wants them to to, to prove to them that you are stronger than you think, and you are braver than you think you are. Like that's that's a hell of a lesson, and that's not what Daniel was teaching. You can do things, even though, like a mind over not, matter. Yeah, you may not think you can because you've never attempted something like which this. I'm assuming is a very good lesson to learn when it comes to karate especially when we see you know the final episode we see the fights and we see um you know samantha you know training both of you know being trained and coached by both daniel and uh johnny and 
you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, her arc for this season was I want to learn both. Just being on the defensive hasn't helped. Like, we keep getting hurt. Well, and not only that, I think that it was important for for her to realize that she could benefit from learning both styles of teaching because they can physically see through this girl who's, you know, Daniel sitting there like, oh, hey, that's Miyagi. And, and you know, Johnny's sitting there like, oh, hey, that's Eagle you Fang. Know, Cobra Kai, Eagle Fang. You know, um, she's created this hybrid of both and using it to her benefits and you know i think that because they had tried to work together and you know they're just so similar that they were deflecting each other um but seeing sam and, and seeing her like let's face it she won that match uh she didn't but she technically won that match uh seeing the outcome seeing how successful she was with this hybrid, realizing that, oh, hey, we are a lot stronger if we work together. Right. Like, let's let's all, if we can put aside our differences, which is what the adults were trying to do, and then the kids were able to do it. If we can put aside our differences and, you know, because season four was a huge arc for a lot of the characters, most of the I mean, kids. Johnny started dating Miguel's mom. Hawk. Yeah, Hawk had this whole Dimitri thing. I mean, like some of the yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we could we could honestly do an episode on Kenny all of these and kids. Anthony which maybe we, maybe we'll save that for season, season five. five. Once that drops, we'll, um, we'll talk about where the kids are. But you know, Johnny starts dating Miguel's mom. Like his social life his you know just life in general is improving um i really do love the episode where they go out to dinner and daniel and amanda end up at the same restaurant and the only table is the table that they're at and they all end up sitting together and i'm forgetting her name miguel's mom um, carmen carmen that's a great name uh carmen and amanda are like Let's push these tables together. Let's Poking, talk. Like, like forcing the two, you know, gentlemen to have conversations. And they both realize that these two, like, they're pretty much the same person. And they're kind of, like, needling them a little bit. And I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, like, it's great because they've, they've both um, confided in their special lady friends and they each know things about the other and they you know they use that you know to their advantage and start like like you said like needling them and start like kind of like pushing them in a specific direction so i think it's great um all in all i think that i'm really happy that cobra kai came around because I was always curious as to what happened to some of these other characters, like what went on afterwards, you know, it, again, not every single movie series or franchise needs, you know, a, a, a TV series, but, you know, especially 30, 40, almost 40 years after no, the first one came out. No, but you know, what out. they're doing is um, they're approaching Cobra Kai in the 
the right way. They're doing all the right things. You know, they're giving backstory where backstory is needed. They're filling in the blanks where that's needed. They're introducing new characters, bringing back old characters. Um, you know, obviously the end of season four, holy crap, you know, what's going to happen with season five? That's crazy. Uh, you know, little, um, Easter eggs here and there for those who are fans of the films and whatnot. But you know, here's the thing: it's one of those you don't even have to be a fan of the films to enjoy this. You don't even have to have seen the films really to enjoy this. Obviously, I feel like you're going to like it a little bit better if you have. But you know, the way that they are evolving these characters, the way that they are kind of intertwining their lives and introducing these new characters to elaborate to, to to grow the old characters some more um i think it's just fantastic i think that's that's it's it's a great formula that they have and you know i mean i don't know if they're going to go much beyond season five but i'm definitely looking forward to the fifth season i think season five should be the end like wrap everything up and let it do what it needs to do and you know, or maybe end it with a movie. Who knows? But I think that's a pretty good spot to uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. And, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we'll be right back after these important messages. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill you seek? Would you rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? And it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack, 
with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the exotic flavor sample pack featuring all 10 flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. And we are back. That, of course, was the uh, end credits theme for Cobra Kai uh, that plays over the end credits while you're waiting for your next episode to start. That one's called Strike First, which makes a lot of sense. So we hope you enjoyed that conversation that wraps up our trilogy of uh, Karate Kid characters, Karate Kid slash Cobra Kai. Um, And what we're doing is because this is our last week of... uh, uh, these characters were letting the battle roll over one more week. Did you want to just reiterate what the battle is? Yeah, so the battle that we threw down was the Sensei Showdown. Which karate kid or adult has what it takes to kick the competition and be the last karate master standing? The sandbox is Hong Kong Kumite Tournament, and the special guest referee is Pat E. Johnson, who, again, if you forget, is the person who trained everyone. Yes, and he played the referee with the fantastic mustache, uh, in the original Karate Kid. Yeah, he trained the Cobra Kais. He trained the Miyagi folks. He trained Kreese and Miyagi, uh, or Pat Morita and, and Martin Cove and uh, Ralph Macchio and uh, William Zabka. He trained all of them in different styles, chor- uh, choreographed the fights, and played the referee. So, so you can choose from Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence... John Kreese or Terry Silver, all within the Cobra Kai realm. Yes, like that world, those ages, all skills, that physique. Yeah, yeah the the them and they're their, all older. We'll put it that way. Yeah, the from the Cobra Kai series, like series season four, that's where they're at. Um, next week. We're going to be watch. I'm going to be watching a movie this weekend that I have not seen that you have seen because you made. Uh, I made a comment the other day because um, you posted something like we don't talk about. Was it Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno. I have no idea what that means. And you were like, "All right, you have to watch Encanto." I'm like, "I'll watch Encanto." I didn't realize you had watched it without me. I was waiting. I was holding off on watching it so I could watch it with you. And you're like, "I watch it like six times. I don't care." So next week we are talking about the magical madrigals and I'm so excited. 
Yes, and I don't know what any of that means, but I assume Mirabelle that they're... Mirabel and Luisa and Isabella. So Isabel, Maribel, Ringabel. Yes. If you're a Three Stooges fan, you'll get that. But uh, that's really all we got. We're going to be doing that. And uh, we have, hopefully, a very exciting interview coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yes. That I'm really looking forward to. Um, we'll get into a uh, next week. We'll get into our uh, what you watching because we have some more stuff that we've been checking out lately. Yes, we do. There's a lot of stuff, including a film that a lot of people had on their top ten list that I hadn't seen that I just watched today, and it was fucking awesome. I'm so pumped, and I really want to talk about it. You have to watch it because this is a character that we should cover because uh, I think you'll really like him. But I think with that being said. We, we will, will see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.